mic check, please. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ducks on the Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. My name is John Gordon. I'll be your host. And I'm your host, Katie Burke. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you, the DU Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ducks on the Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. Joining us today, and it is very timely, is the Assistant Chief of Communications for Arkansas Game and Fish, Trey Reed. Trey, welcome to the DU Podcast. Hey, Chris. Uh, thanks for having me. Very happy to be here. Awesome. And I know, you know, I, we were talking before we got online. I'm busy. You're busy. I know you guys are so busy, tied up with, I mean, we are two days away from the Arkansas Duck Opener, so I'm sure your phones are blowing up. Um, you guys are probably just overwhelmed with getting ready to kick off duck season. Am I right there? You are absolutely right. And Chris, the other thing is, this is a weird year in which our modern gun deer season opener happened just just on Saturday. So usually there's about two weeks in between the, the gun deer opener in Arkansas and the opening day of duck season. But it, it's just the way the calendar falls. And this year, they're on back-to-back weekends. So it is like, it is just madness and chaos but in a very good way here in the natural state right now but yeah man uh duck season is uh i was telling somebody earlier that uh i wasn't real excited about the opener this year i I mean we've we've been in an extreme drought in a lot of arkansas uh it's been warm uh you know we had some speckle bellies greater white fronted geese that you know arrive in in october every year uh kind of get your waterfowl blood boiling a little bit but you know i just wasn't that excited about duck season and then just in time for the gun deer opener uh last friday we had this really strong cold front followed by another reinforcing shot of cold air and now i'm like Wow, I'm 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 really I'm really excited about duck season. All of a sudden, I usually I usually kind of get cranked up in December anyway. You know, uh, when when things really start to turn on. But uh, there's a lot of reasons to be excited with with the cold air, and we we finally got some water uh, uh, earlier this week. I mean, we we've had some rain, but it's been awfully dry uh, in the Delta in particular uh, for the last three months. And so uh, we still need more. But happy, happy to have some, you know, you get a little bit of water and you get some cold air and all of a sudden duck hunters get excited. Yeah, it doesn't take much to get duck hunters excited. I know that. And just, you know, I'm planning on heading over there Friday to hunt Saturday for the opener. You know, and, and just in the small group of guys that I hunt with, we were kind of having a conversation. This is the first year in a while that we're like, oh, man, I got to dig out my, like, heavy hunting clothes because it's going to be cold i mean it's (laughs) it's no it is going to be real cold i mean uh you get up there like around the you know just south of the missouri boot hill you're uh you know north of jonesboro blytheville area like uh uh, st francis sunken lands or big lake wma that those areas up there and you're i you better bring some uh, something to break some ice with, uh, at least on Sunday morning. Uh, I think the lows up there in the northern tier of counties in Arkansas are going to be 
you know, like around 19, 20 degrees on, on Sunday. Uh, so, uh, yeah, man, I, I, that's the, you know, we get some cold days, uh, in, in early November always. I mean, I mm-hmm. think our average first, first freeze is like November 9th, 10th, somewhere around in there. Um, but you usually get those one or two cold days and then the temperatures moderate, but I mean, We've had almost a week of, you know, lows around, you know, in the central part of the state where I live of around 30, 32 degrees and highs, you know, in the mid to upper 40s. That doesn't happen in November in Arkansas that often. And so, you know, man, if you've got some water. Uh, the the uh, you're, you're, it's going to be a good opening weekend. Yeah, and I know our biggest concern is we don't have a ton of water. We have uh, some rice fields that just have almost sheet water in them, and we're like, yeah, we we might not be able to hunt that at you know dead daybreak. Yeah. You know, it's gonna be maybe that might be a nine thirty hunt. Bankers, yeah, you hours. know, one of the one of the things about about it and you know and this is anecdotal we haven't flown any surveys yet or if we're flying this week i don't have uh, i don't have the the numbers back from that uh we typically fly either the first week or the week before but you know here's we got some ducks uh there was a big push of ducks with with that cold front and the rain that we got earlier in the week like monday I mean, it, it rained quite a bit uh, uh, here in, in, in the Little Rock area where I live. I mean, enough to like where the roads were getting covered with waters. It was running off. So, I, you know, I think we got a big push of ducks. And those, you know, I, I don't know how long those sheet water opportunities are going to last in ag fields before it's, you know, saturates mm-hmm. or runs off. But there's probably some the, the ducks that are here are probably really happy. Uh, they're going to be really settled in, I think, because they, you know, they, they, they got here with the cold front. And then we got some rain a couple of days later. So I think it's going to be a situation where there was some new habitat, you know, some new, some new food sources available to them. And so they were able to probably kind of, you know, make those flights out from the roost areas and like, oh, look, there's new water here. And so, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if we don't get some, some more rain, how, how long it will last, but, uh, but it should be a good opening weekend. And, you know, as we put the pressure on them, they, they may disperse a little bit, unfortunately. Yeah, no, and, and we've done these conversations even on the DU podcast and then through our migration alert program where I've called uh, Luke Naylor, the former waterfowl program coordinator, and had these conversations where, you know, and I think the last few years we've said a lot of the same things where it's like, hey, man, if you've got water early, you'll probably have ducks. You know, just the pressure, hunting pressure, you know, ducks, they don't like to be pressured too much. Everybody knows that. And like after about three days of getting shot at in Arkansas, um, it typically slows down a little bit. And, you know, so if you're putting that all day type pressure on these ducks, it's uh, it's something to think about. Maybe resting some fields and trying to hold some birds for later in the week um, as the season progresses. And, and one thing I wanted to ask you, what kind of feedback did you guys get from the early spec season? I know I talked to several people a lot here in Memphis, and then we hunted over there a couple times. Um, what kind of feedback did you get on that early white front season over there? I, I think, uh, you, you know, it was largely successful. Uh, you know, one of the things about white front season is that it's largely taking place on private land, right? We're mm-hmm. talking about ag lands. So, you know, it's kind of hard to compare that to a broad swath. I mean, because there's not, while there's a lot of private land, there may not be as much that's managed specifically for waterfowl habitat. But, you know, again, anecdotally, Chris, 
I, I talk to a lot of people, you know, those birds are kind of, you know, just like we have some mallards that I think are hardwired. They're going to come to Arkansas. Uh, we call them Halloween mallards. They'll start, even, even if it's not cold, they'll start showing up uh, in eastern Arkansas the last week of October, first week of November. And we're seeing that a lot with, with, with speckle bellies, with greater white fronts. Uh, I mean, they're about the second week of October, they start showing up here. And that was no different this year. I mean, we did have one little cold front. Uh, I know it coincided with our muzzleloading season, which is the second week of October, about four or five days into that. So uh, I, I think we got a pretty good push of birds then. Now, I did hear some people saying that, after the season opened, which it opened, I believe it was the 29th. Yeah, yep, Saturday right. the 29th uh, this year. Um, after a few days, they felt like they were kind of hunting the same birds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, I mean, uh, kind of what you were just talking about with 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 the lack of water uh, across Arkansas and the Delta in general right now. Uh you know, maybe trying to take a little bit of pressure off the ducks to hopefully get them to stick around a little bit longer. But I, I don't think the speckle bellies necessarily took off anywhere, but they, you know, dispersed into smaller groups and went to other, uh, other areas instead of big concentrations. So, uh, good. So, so I guess the short answer would be good to start, uh, but, but without the reinforcing cold air, without the, the water, without the rainfall, uh, those, those birds got, highly pressured pretty quickly yeah and that you know just kind of transitioning on that you mentioned you know rainfall again we'll talk about the dryness of um, you know the last couple months but you know there was a little bit of rainfall that you mentioned and, and i just wanted to get an idea i mean arkansas offers such a wide range of you know just a vast amount i should say of public waterfowling um, and some of the greatest places, you know, in the country, really, you know, some of these just famous areas, Biomita, um, areas like that, you know, what should hunters expect for areas like that right now? Because there's not quite enough water in there right now, correct? No, I mean, if you're going to hunt any public areas, uh, with the exception of maybe, uh, you know, Black River, Dave Donaldson, Black River Wildlife Management Area, which is uh, in northeastern Arkansas, uh, just uh, east of, of Pocahontas, uh, uh, there is some ability because of the Black River and the way water is 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 pumped and moved on that area that it sometimes has earlier water, but for the most part, uh, you know, Biomita, for instance, that's 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 kind of my home court. That's that's where I hunt primarily. I, you know, unless you're hunting a slough or the bio itself or or one of the other uh, streams that runs through it. There, there's not there's not going to be much water. You're, there's not going to really be that classic flooded timber habitat. You know, a couple of things going on there, Chris. Uh, number one, it, it's just dry, and most of our areas are are rainfall dependent. We are not, uh, uh, with some exceptions, as I mentioned, we're not pumping water necessarily. We are we're putting in water control structures, dropping the boards in. Well, an, another thing that to keep in mind is about four years ago, we we moved our date back from November one to November 15th, and in some areas even later, December 1st, 
before we're even intentionally catching uh, any water. Uh, and the reason for that is because of our, our you know declining health of our bottomland hardwood uh, forest resources in a lot of these areas. You know, it's uh, uh, DU has been working very closely with us to to help stem some of, some of that decline and and uh, do some infrastructure improvements and changes. I know we're going to get into more of that, but but I wanted to mention it at least in the context of yeah, if if you're going if you're going to Baumita, uh there there's there's not going to be any huntable duck water other than the the permanent water in the in the ditches, sloughs, and and bios uh, this this time of year. But we have hit that uh, November fifteenth date, so any any water any rainfall we get henceforth, uh, we'll hopefully be able to catch and push that into the woods and create not not only hunting opportunity but but waterfowl habitat. Yeah, and it's funny to hear, you know, you mentioned it earlier, even like, oh, you know, I don't really get fired up until December. And that's almost how every local Arkansas, you know, duck hunter is like, eh, maybe Christmas I'll get fired up. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. it's just for some reason, you know, it, it, and you guys have just done this for so long and you know that some of these areas don't get water early. You know that, you know, the ducks will will get down here, you know, in the next couple weeks. May, you know, it just seems like no one gets real, the locals don't get near as fired up as the out-of-state people yeah well no i mean that's i mean i I, i'm gonna let you in on a dirty little secret chris i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna be in fayetteville watching the arkansas Ole miss game (laughs) on saturday night and 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 my wife brought it up about three weeks ago and she said you know i really want to go to that game she she went to school at at Ole miss and uh has a lot of friends coming into town and, and i said well that's the opening that's the opening weekend of duck season and then I got to thinking about it. Of course, three weeks ago we were uh, mired in in uh, extreme drought o- over much of Arkansas, according to the U.S. Drought Monitor. And so I gave it a second thought, and I'm like, eh, eh, "Okay, sure, let's go to the ball game. I'm not going to be <laughs> missing much." But but you, you make a really good point in, in that. I mean, September and October are traditionally pretty dry months in in our part of the world, uh, anyway. So, uh, you know, the the the, the rains. You know, we'll get a little bit more in November as as you know, you get cold fronts and they're clashing with that warm, moist air coming up from from the Gulf of Mexico, and, and that's how we get rain here in, in Arkansas uh, and in the mid Mississippi Delta uh, in general. But we get a lot more of that come December, yeah. uh, you know, and, and, and so, you know, that, that, that really, although obviously, you know, we could talk about, you know, changing climate, we can talk about a lot of different things, but, you know, for millennia ducks have been coming down through the Mississippi flyway or the central flyway and taking a left at the Missouri or Arkansas river and ending up in the, in the Arkansas portion of the Mississippi Delta. Uh, so, we know, I mean, and science bears this out, it, it, the number, we, we talk about cold weather a lot, Chris, but the number one factor to duck abundance in Arkansas is water. Yeah. Uh, and, and when the White River floods, when the cash floods, when, when the black gets out of its banks, when uh, the Langill over there closer to, uh, to, to Memphis and DU headquarters, I mean, anyway, we could talk about all these. When, when those things, when those, when those rivers, when those streams get out of their banks, I, I don't know what it is, but I mean, you know, it's like every duck in the flyway, uh, you know, is is wired into some uh, communication signal that says, "Go to Arkansas, go to Arkansas," and 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 really historically, 
that that happens in December and, and then carries on through January. So yeah, man, I, I I'm I'm gonna I, I mean I'm excited about opening day on Saturday, even though I'm not gonna be out there because I'm just man, duck hunting is is my passion. Uh, but uh, I'll get a lot more excited in a two or three weeks. <laughs> and you guys, you Arkansas hunters, you guys wouldn't lower yourselves to shoot a gadwall or a spoonie anyway, right? Oh no no no! Don't you lump <laughs> me in? Don't you lump me in with the mallard snobs, Chris? I uh, <laughs> I, I will. I grew up shooting gadwalls in the. Uh, late 70s and early 80s when uh, under the point system and you could shoot 10 of those uh they were 10 point ducks and so uh uh i'm, I'm never going to get mad at a gray duck man i really i really like uh, I, I really I, sh- I grew up shooting gadwalls and uh, cypress swamp basically and uh, so they're near and dear to my heart now i love a big fat green head too but uh uh i mean i like to shoot them all man i'm not i'm, I'm not particular Nice. That's what that's what pretty much every Arkansas hunter says when once they're called out on it. So I'm I'm good with that. I'll take that as a I'll take that as a solid answer. Okay. You know, one thing that we're kind of talking around our office about is, you know, most of the guys in the office, the hunters here, you know, we hunt Mississippi, Tennessee, Arkansas, even some in Missouri quite a bit. The reality is like Kansas is so dry. And right now, so cold. It's really a unique early season opportunity for even these kind of mid-south hunters. Yeah, no doubt. The potential of us picking up a bunch of ducks. This is something, this is always one of those things like, you know, the optimistic duck hunters sitting in the office looking at maps. <laughs> like, we're just we're just diving into any information we can get. But, you know, last week we had uh, Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks on here and you know the guy was talking about this is this is very unique for us because they don't have i mean even the small rivers and creeks that have such little water in them he's like they're gonna freeze up he's like we're gonna ducks are gonna be bailing out of kansas pretty quick so that's that could be a real you know pickup in duck numbers for arkansas now this again we're all just speculating on this we can't really follow that until surveys come out and things like that but that's something to think about for arkansas hunters who are thinking oh i'll just wait till mid-december no Chris, you're you're exactly right, and I, I was doing a radio show uh, Wednesday uh, with Steve Wildman Wilson, longtime colleague at Game and Fish, now retired, but does a, a local radio show, and that's what I told him. I, uh, you know, and I, I was joking about the uh, about the football game, the Razorback football game, but but it really was. It's kind of like in in the intervening three weeks between my agreeing to that, I was kind of like, huh, now I'm kind of wishing that I was not going to be in Northwest Arkansas. Maybe I could slip down to the Arkansas River Valley and, and get a hunt in Saturday morning, <laughs> but but no, I, I, it, it is definitely a unique situation for this time of year. Um, I, I tell you, you know, to, to flip it back on the conservation side of things too is that when you do have a scenario like this, this is when like habitat conservation and, and like you know really hands-on management of your private property or hands-on management of, of our public areas becomes even more critically important because we need to you know like you said I mean they're they're coming I mean they're the the, the water bodies are frozen up from you know mid Missouri Kansas north uh, and, and so you know where are they going to be southern Missouri Arkansas uh, you know Texas maybe the Playa Lakes region over there uh, uh, Mississippi, North Louisiana. So 
we need to have a we need to have the table set for them. Uh, and, and a lot of times, I don't think we think about it so much in the early season. We think about Arkansas in particular being you know a wintering area. It's where the where the mallards. You know, it's kind of this is the the, the end of the line for them. This is the December and January. Then you know February. Then they start hightailing it back to the prairies. But uh, I think it's good. it really magnifies the the importance of good habitat management uh, for, for for both waterfowl habitat and for hunting opportunities in, in the early season. You know, I, I really want to talk about, you kind of touched on it briefly, but I'd really like to talk about the Green Tree Reservoir Program um, because DU is heavily involved in that. You mentioned that, but also this kind of leads to everything that we're talking about. You know, one, you know, dry conditions, you know, potential additional rainfall in December, you know, changing the dates of when you guys are putting the boards in, things like that. We've kind of hit on all of it, but if you can just, you know, provide an overview. Now, we've done podcasts on this specifically, but, you know, here for our audience now, just kind of provide us with an overview of that program. Well, I, I would start by, by putting it in context. And, you know, the, the Mississippi Alluvial Valley, the Delta, uh, was largely all bottomland hardwood for us before, you know, European settlement of this area. With some, some prairie mixed in, like that area over around Stuttgart, the Grand Prairie, uh, you know, it wasn't as forested as some, as some other parts of, of eastern Arkansas. But, uh, I mean, as we know, most, most of that's gone. I mean, most of that was lost to the plow and the saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the good news is that Arkansas has about 20% of its historic uh, uh, bottomland hardwood forest, which is really more than any place else other than maybe with the exception of the Atchafalaya Basin in in southern Louisiana. So, number one, it is really an imperiled type of habitat. It is a very important habitat for not just waterfowl, but a lot of migratory uh, songbirds, a lot lot of other critters, but very, very important to bird life. Uh, And when it comes to mallards, it, it, it is the preferred, you know, wintering habitat, and so we, as as the state agency responsible for, uh, you know, conserving these wildlife resources, I mean, we it is our obligation to to make sure that that. There's, there's still that habitat on the landscape, not just now, but, you know, 50 years from now and 100 years from now. And unfortunately, Chris, we have noticed through, um, and, and, you know, this is where, this is why wildlife management and, and science and natural resource agencies like Game and Fish and conservation organizations like DU are so important because you, we're, we're constantly monitoring and looking at these things. And over the past 10, 12 years, as we have looked at it, we realized that, We've, we've got a problem. We've got a serious problem. And that is the, the, those, especially those beneficial red oaks here, nut all and willow oak in particular. Uh, they're in poor health, uh, or in some cases uh, dying. And the composition of the forest is changing and being replaced by more water water tolerant species uh like your overcup oaks which you know overcup acorns about the size of a golf ball and a duck can't eat that uh and and even with a you know stuff like green ash uh that, that's that's really providing other than maybe some thermal covers zero benefit for mm-hmm. for waterfowl and and so we we have made a concerted effort and and it's you know it, it hasn't been easy um 
it's it's short-term pain for long-term gain uh, to, to put it quite bluntly and you know talking about delaying when when we uh, intentionally hold water uh, but this is going to be a long-term uh, project and if there's a takeaway for your listeners and, and that's that number one the arkansas game and fish commission with with the help of partners like ducks unlimited uh, is committed to to fixing this to making sure that our grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren can enjoy this resource and that ducks will have a good wintering habitat here in Arkansas. Uh, we're committed to it, and we're working on it. Uh, I, I'll give you a couple of examples. That, uh, one thing that is probably going to be shocking uh, to people, and one one part of this that probably isn't talked about as much is timber management, uh, removing some less desirable species of trees, uh, uh, taking those out uh, and creating gaps in the forest so that we can get red oak regeneration. Uh, we have, we initiated a, a, a big timber sale at Biomeda Wildlife Management Area this year. I was down there, oh, probably six or eight weeks ago. And even as a guy who hunts there all the time, I mean, it's, it's, it's eye-opening. You're like, oh my goodness, like uh, there's, uh, you know, there, there's definitely some gaps in, in the canopy now. Uh, but what you've got to remember is, that that's that goes that's just as important as the water management if we if we keep the you know we're, we're not managing to as high a level we're uh of water at biomeda for example and some other places uh, but biomeda is the big one it's our biggest area it's one folks you know it's world famous um so we're not going to go to you know to the top of the pool uh, as, as where we've gone in the past intentionally. Uh, we're, and we're coupling that with with later, uh, you know, putting those boards in a little bit later. So so we're not getting the water on the trees before they go into winter dormancy. We're doing some research with the University of Arkansas at Monticello on finding out when when do those trees actually become dormant i mean you know until recently basically just a guess uh we know when first frost is first first freeze and you know we kind of like kind of look at those as 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 sort of you know watermarks if you will but uh we're actually finding out when these trees are becoming dormant so a lot of research going on and and one thing the du has been a huge partner with us on is some infrastructure improvements we just recently uh, really the first area that that's kind of undergone most of the modifications um is Earl Bus Biodevue WMA? It's mm-hmm. near Wiener, not far from the famous Claypool's Reservoir. No, no, that'll resonate with people. Mm-hmm. So we we have taken out the old, uh, much too small water control structures and replaced them with much better devices. Uh, you know, DU again has worked with us on that. We're, uh, you know, so so th- th- this is a this is a problem that didn't happen overnight. Uh, y- you know, it's one of these things where. You know, in the 50s and 60s, uh, when, when Gaiman, even into the 40s, when Gaiman Fish bought some of these bottomland hardwood areas, they got them because they were, they weren't good farmland. They, they had tried to farm it and, and, you know, it flooded too much. And you couldn't grow anything there. And, you know, and, and so then we built these green tree reservoirs and, and really the, the desire to create waterfowl habitat and hunting opportunity went ahead of, of the science that told us, well, how, how's the best way to do this? Uh, and, and so now we're catching up with that. It, it, the, the problem has been decades in the making. Uh, hopefully it won't be 
decades uh, in, in getting it fixed, but, it, but it's going to take time. I mean, we're, we're talking about changing the slope of levees. We're talking about, in some cases, taking out water control structures. Uh, again, the things we've already done that we can easily control, like when, when we put those boards in, uh, how, how, how high we stack those boards and things like that. And, and then the timber sales on, on our areas that allow us to open up that canopy and get that red oak regeneration to create the, the, the future forest there. So, it's. Uh, I know I've probably talked about it much longer than you intended me to, for me to, but <laughs> no. it is it is such a critical critical thing that we're doing in Arkansas, and you know, getting the uh, understanding and uh, the buy in from hunters is is very important because it is going to be inconvenient. It's going to inconvenience me, man. I, I mean, I, I am eighty five ninety percent of the time a public land hunter, and and it's 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 gonna it's gonna be inconvenient to me. But I, you know, I, I've I've got kids and grandkids, and and I, I want them to enjoy these resources one day as well. Yeah, I think you know the original conversation when it first came out, there was so much knee jerk reaction to this like oh we're not going to have water to duck hunt you know duck hunting's over in arkansas yada but once you explain what the process is um in the manner that you pretty much just did that this is a long term this is a, you know this is so that your kids and grandkids will be able to hunt flooded timber in arkansas the other thing chris is to, to remember that it's like when we get big rains uh, even if like, okay, so we went last year to, uh, one, 179, uh, as, uh, as the full pool, that was the target, uh, uh, mean sea level, uh, elevation for flooding at Biomeda last year. And we're going to go to 178 and a half this year. What you've got to remember though, is that water is going to exceed that when we get these pulses coming down. Mm-hmm. It's a huge watershed. It comes all the way up, uh, north of, of Little Rock, uh, Jacksonville area. And, and so as water flows into that watershed and gets down there in the basin where, where we where Biomeda Wildlife Management Area is, there's still going to be hunting opportunity. I mean, there's still there's still going to be, you know, water's going to pulse up and, and it's going to fall out, but it's going to be more natural, which is what those trees, those oak trees, those red oaks have evolved to, to withstand uh, over millennia. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's I think that that was one that people thought there was going to be this like a dry year at Biomeda and then a wet year and a dry year. Well, that's not really the case. It's just that we've got to shift our focus from holding water to moving water uh, where it doesn't just sit there for long periods at the same level. Uh, and, and that's what, why we're going to have to make some of these infrastructure changes. Yeah. And, you know, just on that, when you talk about, you know, if you get the rains, you get the rains, but there's also, you guys have a new W Rice program, which I've talked with Luke Naylor about a lot um, because we had one right next to our house a couple of years ago. The lucky you. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll tell you what, that was the one year I got more people out of the ditch, out of their four-wheeler than ever. I'd be out there like putting fire <laughs> campfire guys come walking up like, hey man, I got stuck. I was like, oh gosh, here we go. Uh, but no, I mean, I actually put in for a bunch of those and, and didn't get them obviously, but um, the, the guy shot ducks over there, man. It was cool. I mean, they were showing up, they were, you know, they'd get there early and we'd walk out and they're already, you know, hauling out off away from our house and um, they come back, man, they were shooting ducks in that program. So I just want you to kind of explain what that program is. That's just another opportunity that AGFC is providing for people. Man, and, and it is, it, it's a fantastic opportunity. And, and again, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I keep harping on this, you know, waterfowl habitat slash hunting opportunity. And that's what's really cool about the W Rice too, is that it's both 
both. I mean, it really started out, Chris, as a way to create more waterfowl habitat. I mean, we all know, I mean, the studies are out there showing that, uh, you, you know, a, a duck's only going to stay in an area when there's enough food. And once we pass this threshold of, of what can support, you know, the duck use days there, they're, they're gone. They're moving someplace else. And, and we know that uh, uh, agricultural equipment is much more efficient than it used to be. Uh, it's not leaving as much waste grain as it used to. Uh, rice varieties are maturing much earlier. I mean, we used to harvest rice in October in Arkansas. There'd be, there'd be shocks of rice back when we did it that way in the you know 40s and 50s even uh, in, in the duck season in November. Well, I mean, man, people are cutting rice in August now, you know? And, and so uh, that's re-sprouting or getting eaten by, you know, bir- other birds and, and field mice and all these other things. So, and then in addition to that, we have been seeing a lot more fall tillage. Uh, and and once that once that rice field has been tilled, its value to a duck is basically zero. I mean, maybe maybe some refuge or you know getting away from hunting pressure or something like that if it's got some water on it. But uh, so we initiated this program with through, with some federal uh, grant money and. Basically, it's an incentive, and we pay farmers. Essentially, the Game and Fish Commission is leasing uh, rice ground from farmers, and there's different levels of payment based on what the farmer does. Like, uh, we require them to do certain post-harvest uh, manipulations, like uh, rolling, uh, no no disking, obviously, uh, patchy burns, uh, some things that we know are going to leave rice seed, you know, uh, on on the ground. Then, if they'll put water on it, that's another like incentive payment and finally uh, and this is the part that really is cool for hunters if they'll allow permitted hunting then they get another payment so it really it really helps the agricultural community you know maybe maybe be able to to plant a crop there that was like kind of iffy on the edge you know so with these incentive payments it, it makes it worthwhile to them and so we're, we're, the farmer wins, uh, the ducks win by we're, by creating waterfowl habitat, and hunters win through this permitted system. And the way that works, every Thursday through through Sunday during duck season, hunters can go to agfc.com and apply for one of these W Rice program fields. Uh, you mentioned Luke Naylor. He's our chief of wildlife now. He was our waterfowl biologist, but he's done a very good job. He also has a spreadsheet there that shows you like how many acres the fields are. There's a map showing where they are, how many people have been been applying so you can not necessarily game the system but like if you you know you said you were unsuccessful uh i will say also that we have about tripled the amount of acreage i, th- I want to say we've got close to four thousand acres this year that are going to be in it, it it's uh, it's it, it's a lot more than we started out with three or four years ago we it's gotten bigger every year but you can see like say man only like six people applied for this one field uh last weekend uh, while 28 people applied for, you know, field Y, well, I'm going to apply for this field where only four people applied, and I'm probably going to increase my chances. Uh, so, man, it is just a really, really cool program. I, I have drawn a number of times and had friends that have drawn and have had some fantastic both early speckle belly hunts, like we were talking about at the top of the podcast, and, and some good duck hunts during the regular season. I, I highly recommend you uh, availing yourselves of that W. Rice opportunity at agfc.com. 
Yeah, it's a good one. I was going to say, where can they find that? But you knocked it out, agfc.com. And also, you know, one thing that you guys do, you guys do that weekly waterfowl newsletter during duck season. And I highly recommend people subscribe to that because it shows you, I think it comes out on Wednesdays, right? Is that correct? That's that's okay. right, Chris. Yeah, J- uh, Jim Harris does that for us. Uh, does a great job with it. And it comes. it's uh, uh, first one uh, dropped this week and it'll run all the way through the, uh, the late youth hunt in February. Yeah, and what I like about that is not only does it give you an overview of just kind of an estimated number, Numbers. Um, it also gives you water levels at each AGFC property, and that's that's a huge benefit for hunters looking uh, to come over and try some things out. You know, I get calls from all over the place. People are like, "Hey, I'm going to go try and hunt Arkansas," and I'm like, "Yeah, man, you're not you're not hunting there." And they're like, "Why? There's no water. Like, here, check out this. If you want to, you know, subscribe to this. If you want to know where the water is." So yeah, yeah that's a great resource. It is a great resource that you can uh, you can uh, um, subscribe to that at agfc.com and it'll come straight to your inbox every uh, Wednesday, as you mentioned. And uh, we we also put you know we fly at least three aerial waterfowl surveys per wintering period, uh, November, December, January. Sometimes we do a fourth, depending on on budget and 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 kind of the timing as well. Uh, and, and that information will be in there. Uh, it, it, it really is. There's links to all. All the USGS gauges on on different uh, water bodies, and uh, we're we're working on some products too, Chris. Especially like with these changes we're implementing on water level management on some of our green tree reservoirs. We're looking at some, you know, we've done some lidar mapping of, of basically the entire state, including all of our WMAs, and we're going to try to, you know, it, this is a work in progress. So so don't don't hold my feet to the fire. I can't promise when it's going to be out, but maybe some mapping technology that will kind of help you you mentioned like if you're from out of state and you don't hunt these areas all the time it's kind of hard well what does what does 179 mean at upper valley or on biomeda you know i mean uh but maybe some some mapping uh uh that will kind of help you interpret that what what does what the water is here or this gauge level says this this is what that means uh this is where you'll find water on, on this area so uh stay tuned hopefully we'll have some of that stuff out uh before too long very cool and, and that's one thing I always laugh about when we, you know, Ducks Unlimited would, I, we do articles online about, you know, top places to hunt public in the country and, you know, by flyway and things like that. And, and by meat is pretty much on that list. Several properties there in Arkansas are. <laughs> but then I get emails from guys who are like, why are you giving away my secrets? I'm like, I didn't give it away. AGFC did oh, that. I didn't give it away. Chris, you and I have been outdoor communicators for, for a long time. And, and that is, it is, I tell people all the time, it's the ultimate paradox of, of what we do. And working for DU or Game and Fish is, is no different of working in the newspaper or magazine business. But it's like, you know, on the one hand, it's kind of our job to let people know what, what's going on out there and educate and inform. And, you know, but, but at the same time, you don't, you don't want to like burn a place out either. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a delicate balancing act. And you have my sympathy and empathy uh, on those phone calls. <laughs> That's all right. I just forward them to your email from now on. That'll work out. Uh, sure, sure. Why not? <laughs> Trey, this has been great. And uh, before I get you out of here, I just—I was just sitting here thinking I had to tell a funny story. Uh, the first time I ever met you was in Bismarck, North Dakota. That's uh, right. We went. We were at the OWA, the Outdoor Riders Association of America, and it was 2008. And you and I met you and and several guys who still work there for AGFC. And you guys were all fired up at that time because you had the coordinates. Uh, one of your biologists had given you the coordinates of where one of your hen mallards uh, that you had banded in Arkansas 
earlier yeah, we're that in a year. GPS backpack. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, and it, it was. I'm not going to say it was one of your first, but it was like that program was relatively was, new. It was early in the program. Yeah. yeah, and you guys were fired up about it, and you're like, "Well, we want to go find it." And our communications biologist, Mike, check it. It's like, man, it's like a needle in the haystack. We're going to look for one duck in North Dakota. <laughs> And and so we piled up into that Suburban and pulled it up. And it was so long ago that, you know, we probably could have done this on our phones now, but we were using one of those old TomToms. Yeah, TomTom, that's right. <laughs> and we drove around North Dakota and we were probably an hour outside of Bismarck and we pull up on this pothole and you're like, there it is. And I'm like, no way. And we get out and there's the hint, mallard hen with a backpack transmitter on his sure back. Enough, yeah, and, and Mike Check it had a he had a I think he had a camera with like a oh seventy to two hundred lens, mm-hmm. some kind of telephoto lens, and he actually snapped off and we had some binoculars and I mean clear as day. You could see the antenna of the backpack, you know, extending backward off that hen mallard. Yeah, that was that was a fantastic trip. That was uh, you know, we spent a day, uh, we kind of ditched the conference that day and and just spit that was uh yeah that would have been uh, that would have been my second time in the prairie pothole region but it was just so cool man i mean they they started calling me uh, they gave me a nickname that day because i was traipsing through the through the prairie pothole region you know of trying to flush uh, ducks off a nest mm-hmm. uh they, they called me ray Coteau. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ray Coteau. nice uh, and they still keith stevens uh, who is the chief of communications will still drop a ray Coteau on me every now and then <laughs> yeah that's awesome well that, i just remembered that we were sitting there talking i was like when did i first meet trey and i was like oh my gosh when we went and found that duck and the minute and, yeah. and of course we're like when you guys brought it up check it was just like nah man like there's no way this is gonna work no, and my golly hey, you had it and we're like it's right there there it is i was as, i was as skeptical as anybody i mean you know i mean hey it's one thing to have the gps coordinates but you know it's not like it was a constant you know those were like from the the day before or something you know maybe yeah. several hours before it's it's not instantaneous uh and so i think we were all kind of like, yeah well we'll see and, and to have yeah, it sitting sure on enough, the side of the road yeah it, just, un- we just pulled right up to it sat there and saw it like man, un- that's unbelievable cool <laughs> trey this has been great man i really appreciate it before we get you out of here um i know you host the arkansas wildlife podcast if you can tell people where they can go to arkansas wildlife po- podcast stay in tune with what you guys are doing there at agfc because it's awesome yeah absolutely thanks for the opportunity to promote that it is relatively new chris we just launched it in october uh so uh there's five six episodes i think that are available now we uh have some waterfowl content and we obviously it's all over the place it's fishing it's hunting deer hunting uh duck hunting you name it uh but it is uh it's a lot of fun arkansas wildlife you can get it on spotify uh uh, uh the apple podcast uh, app uh you can also go to the arkansas game and fish commission youtube channel and and find it there uh, even with a, a, a video version of it so lots of different ways to get it but tip, you know uh, spotify apple the typical places where you find your podcast you can find the arkansas wildlife podcast Awesome. Well, cool, man. I appreciate you coming on. This has been fantastic. Good luck at your Ole Miss Arkansas football game on Saturday for the opener. I will be in the blind. Well, good luck in the uh, duck blind, Chris. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. I'd like to thank my guest, Trey Reed, the Assistant Chief of Communications for Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, for coming on here and talking a little ducks, talking about some new programs, talking about some conservation partnerships they've got going on. I'd like to thank our producer, Chris Isaac, for putting the show together and getting it out to you. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us on the DU Podcast and supporting wetlands conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. 
be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit www.ducks.org slash podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. Stay tuned to the Ducks. <laughs>